It's time now for Super Psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell, and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and that's 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmarakarpell.com. And today is Sunday, March the 3rd, and we are live back in beautiful Austin, Texas. It's March already, um, but we're still in the midst of winter. We're getting another Arctic freeze coming through here this evening. And I know that the northern states are being hit real hard right now. So I hope you're all staying warm and safe wherever you are. And I hope that we can keep you warm this evening. And Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us to make the show run. And in a little while after a short break, we'll be joined on the phone from beautiful Bami, Hawaii, by J.F. Benoit, author, speaker, and director and founder of the Exclusive Addiction Treatment Center. And J.F. will be here to discuss his new book, Addicted to the Monkey Mind, Change the Programming that Sabotages Your Life. And I've had the opportunity to read his book from cover to cover, and I really thoroughly enjoyed it and found it extremely helpful in my own life and just viewing um, how people think and how it affects our lives. So I'm really looking forward to discussing this with him. And later in the program, um, Jose Sanchez will be joining us from South Padre Island to talk about his life in music and living on South Padre and we'll play a little bit of his music. And along the way, I'll talk about creating more meaning in life um, with a little sneak peek into my book, but some other things that I, tips and ideas that I didn't include in the book about this idea of having more meaning in life. And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guests. And my email address is drmara, that's D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And if you do have any questions, please be sure to send them in or call while the guests are still here on the program so that they can answer your questions. And you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website, and the link to this podcast will be posted later tonight along with all of the website links that are given in the program by my guests. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, that's B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash your golden years. And for information from previous programs, to listen to previous programs and get all of the website links given on those shows, 
to read my blog, to find out about my course, my book, watch videos, all of that. One-stop shop at my website, drmaracarpel.com. And you can also hear all of the podcasts from um, the five years that we have been here on Blog Talk Radio by going directly to blogtalkradio.com. And again, that's blogtalkradio.com slash your golden years. And for information about upcoming events, future shows, whenever I post the blog, um, events like book signings, information about the course, new information, all of that is, I would say, the best way to keep up with that is to follow me on Facebook, which is Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. And if this is the first time that you're tuning in, I'm a licensed psychologist from, from New York City, and I'm practicing here in Austin, Texas, and sometimes in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. And I work with adults of all ages and have a specialty of working with seniors and, for, and with caregivers. And for the past few years, I've also been evaluating veterans for PTSD. And part of the time, my office is in the really wonderful Veterans Resource Center, Heroes Night Out, which is located in Cedar Park, Texas. And for information about this great resource for veterans and for veterans' families, I would suggest that you check out their website. They have a lot going on there, and that's heroesnightout.org. Do you want to contact me? Do you have a question or do you have a comment or some information that you think I should know? Please feel free to send me an email. That's drmara at drmaracarpel.com. Or you can go through my website and click on contact, of course. Or you can call me at 512-626-6973. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions and sponsored by Dr. Ronald DeVere, neurologist, memory specialist, and author of the book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. To make an appointment with Dr. DeVere at his memory clinic in Lakeway, Texas, or to purchase a copy of his book, you can call him at 512-261-7909 or send him an email to rdevere, that's R-D-E-V-E-R-E, at austin.rr.com, and his book is also available on Amazon. And this evening's program is also sponsored by Storyhouse. Storyhouse gathers your stories and turns them into multimedia collections that can be shared now and for generations to come. Have Storyhouse hold a private interview in your home or invite them to your next big event or family reunion. Storyhouse, where your memories live. Find out more at yourstoryhouse.com or call 512-296-8752. Okay, so we're going to take a brief break and play some of our sponsors' commercials. Um, But don't go anywhere. It's going to be real quick. And when we come back, we're going to be on the phone with J.F. Benoit, who's in Hawaii, and he's going to be talking about his book, Addicted to the Monkey Mind, Change the Programming that Sabotages Your Life. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. 
about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years, specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia. Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years, years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And now joining us on the phone all the way from beautiful, balmy Hawaii, we have J.F. Benoit, who's an author, speaker, and director and founder of the Exclusive Addiction Treatment Center. And J.F. is here to talk about his new book, Addicted to the Monkey Mind, Change the Programming that Sabotages Your Life. Welcome, J.F. Wonderful to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. How is it? Make us all jealous. How is it in Hawaii right now? (laughs) Well, you know, there's been a little bit of a cold front, but for us, we wouldn't call this cold. You know, for us, cold is like 65 degrees. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Well, you know, typically in Texas they call that cold, but now we're really getting cold. <laughs> mhm. So, so before we go on to talk about your wonderful awesome book, um why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Well, I've been uh in the mental health field for about over 20 years now, just helping people who suffer from dual diagnosis, everything from addiction to uh, eating disorder to depression. Um, And one of the things that I've been really fortunate to is that I've had amazing mentors in my life that have taught me everything I know and was able to put together a methodology called experiential engagement therapy, uh, which is a very progressive way of working with people and I'm very privileged to do what I love. It's it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing, you know. So, so JF, you know, you and I had a great conversation a while back, and um, and now at that time I hadn't finished reading your book, but I have finished mm-hmm. reading your book, and I just want to say that I loved it from cover to cover. Um, I felt really engaged with the people that you wrote about in the book. Um, 
I felt like I got to know them and understand them, and I was able to see, you know, their thinking and and also start to look at some of my own thinking. And I just have to tell you just the person, just something, you know, personal is that the beginning of this year, and I've talked about this on the show, I sort of ran into a brick wall and I felt really um, stressed out and um and I felt a lot of pressure that was sort of keeping me from being creative and being able to do what I love to do. And I was reading your book and something in the book, something that you wrote about in the book just sort of turned on a light for me where I was like, ah, all this pressure is coming from myself. And um, mm-hmm. it cha- it was like everything changed at that moment. So it's very powerful, really, really powerful book. Um, Thank you. So, yeah. So maybe you can talk a little bit. Let, why don't we start with what is the monkey mind? Yeah. So one of the things that I really wanted to do in writing Addicted to the Monkey Mind is, is I wanted to make it relatable. And we've been really blessed to hear from so many people who are reporting that says, you know, this feels really real to me. And so, you know, you follow these two characters who their life um, has struggles in them just like all of us have struggle with anxiety, stress, work, relationship, maybe even alcohol or drugs or different things that we're struggling with. And these two characters find themselves um, finding the answers slowly but surely, discovering that the issue isn't the job, it isn't the things that are all externals, the event, the other people, is they start discovering that it's their monkey mind. And monkey mind is is another term for our programming. So in a way, we've been predisposed to think the way we do. And it's very uh, it could be very detrimental if we're not aware of that predisposed way of thinking. And so the book takes these two characters where suddenly they start learning about their monkey minds and their programming, and they start shifting into a new mindset, which in the book we call the observing mind. And they, they become so alive, and they become, you know, they become, uh, in a way, just so engaged in their lives that they realize that the issue really wasn't um, trying to change or manipulate other people or outside circumstances or keep being in a mode of performance for others or looking for approval. That that if you become aware of your programming, you're able to then verify the validity of these thoughts. Um, you know, for in modern psychology, we, we talk in terms of fused thinking, and that's really what the monkey mind is. It's it's thoughts that happen, and it's a person not having the ability to unhook from the thoughts. There's no space in between the thoughts and the reaction, and so one of the things that's very liberating in the book is that as you develop an observing mind, you start realizing that awareness is the very thing that sets us free. It's not so much using the same mindset, this monkey mind that's been programmed, because that mind usually uses shame as a motivator to change. It uses fear and anxiety. And so when you develop a new mindset that is more of an observing mindset, you start realizing that you can verify the validity of these thoughts and suddenly you find yourself to be free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, you know, I know in the title you said that, you know, you said addicted to monkey mind. So how are we addicted to this thing that 
makes us feel so bad. It's, it's really, you know, once you become aware of it, it becomes obvious for most people. So, you know, when you're at home and the partner says, why didn't you do the dishes? And then there's an overreaction. You know, I, I call this, I often say to people, watch your response and see if your response to things and the people around you is out of proportion with what was asked. And in that moment, right, that's the predisposed way of thinking. So that, that question that came in might go all the way back to all the times you were told as a kid, why didn't you do your homework? And so the way the question is being heard is through the lens of that pre-programmed way of thinking. And so, you know, we have so many reactions during our day that actually come from that monkey mind. And we're not aware of it. And so as long as we're not aware of it, we certainly can't really shift it. So how do we become aware of it? Well, one of the main things that... I think I find um, it, it's almost ironic in a way because at the core of it, Einstein said it best. He said, you know, you can't solve the problem from the same mindset that created it. And most of mm-hmm. us initially, that's what we're stuck trying to do. We, we've, been, we've been conditioned to think that if we judge ourselves, we will get better. We will improve. So one of the key ways to create change is to actually, the monkey mind operates in a very fast way of thinking, and it's mostly ignoring the body, ignoring the sensation and the discomfort that lives in the body. And so it's really crucial for us to become aware, and one of the many skills that are taught all the way through the book um, are about going back to bring presence to the way I feel and presence to the way I experience what what's unfolding okay and with that experience i can now verify the validity of that experience means not really real right now that i'm that i'm experiencing as a form of discomfort so it's more of a i would say an interdiscipline that we can develop that's very very simple um one of the things i talk about in the book is, is, is developing a skill of breath right and it's to be able to sit every day in a short amount of time, and just do this circular breathing where you actually really put your focus of attention on the breath when you become aware of all the discomfort that's rising up in the body. Mm-hmm. You're, you're fading in and out a little bit, so just if, you're, if you move to okay. a different spot than when you started with. Go back to the first spot because you sounded good. Okay. Or maybe it's because you're all the way in Hawaii. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I the did co- hear everything The coconut wire is not quite working. <laughs> um, so, rather than running away from the feeling of discomfort, which is what we tend to do right when we don't feel good we feel we try to find something to distract us from the discomfort you're saying to 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 be with that discomfort and look at it yeah and that's why the title of the book addicted to the monkey mind is representative of the mindset we're stuck into which is a mindset that will sort of have as many coping mechanisms to avoid discomfort at all costs. 
Right. So is that where addiction comes in? I know that you're an addiction specialist, and the people that you wrote about in the book had addictions to substances. Um, do you find that most people with addictions are, are trying to run from those feelings? Absolutely. And most of us, we don't necessarily have to have an alcohol addiction or eating disorder or drug addiction. To be addicted to the monkey mind, every single one of us has, has been programmed and conditioned to think the way we do. And that foundation is we truly live in a shame-based and fear-based society that has taught us that the way to take care of ourselves is having this negative mindset. So in a way, we're sort of all addicted to that mindset. Now, that mindset produces different amount of anxiety that manifests in different ways. And so, you know, the, the, to me, the alcohol addiction or the workaholic or the smoking cigarette, those are all symptoms of the monkey mind. The real issue is mm. the mindset that's very, very negative based, right? That's the real issue. Right. Right. And uh, as you say that, I'm thinking about that. Like we in school is as children, we get punished if, you know, if we haven't gotten done our homework correctly or um, if we don't get straight A's and, and then and then it goes on. Even in jobs, people are more fearful of getting caught for not doing the work correctly than they are um, really proud of the work that they've done. It's, it is pretty we, focused we are, on... I, Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> it, it's, it's amazing how performance-based our behavior is. And most people are not aware that that really, really does come from a mindset that has core beliefs behind it. I, I'm not quite enough. You know, and, and, mm-hmm. and it's, very, it, it's very sort of dormant for most people. They don't have much awareness around it, you know. Like one of the things that I often say to people is I always found it funny when, you know, people say, when you ask them, so why do you drink? And they'll say, well, I just go to social event and I just need to take the edge off. And when I hear that, I ask people, well, what's the edge? The edge of what? Uh-huh. And so, right? So if you think of it, it's a very simple <laughs> thing. Most people say it every day. They say it all the time. But what they don't realize is that they actually have anxiety before they enter the room. Well, where's this anxiety coming from? Mm -hmm. So the key, you know, to create consciousness and to be able to really be the master of your own, you know, uh, behaviors is to really understand that I often say to people, the body is doing the thinking for you. So it's a little bit like programming in the monkey mind to me was established this way. Let me give you this analogy. Imagine that there's a dog in a room and for 20 years somebody walks in that room every day and kicks the dog. That would be the equivalent of us being reprimanded through all of our childhood. And I say that oftentimes to most people, if you saw a video of the way you were brought up, you would, you would think that somebody rigged up the video because you would see that maybe 20,000 times you heard your father say, why can't you be more like your brother or your little sister? And you would be in disbelief of how many times you've heard those comments over and over and over again. So that way, right, of being raised is the equivalent of the dog example. 
And so suddenly mm-hmm. imagine that today you're an adult and you want to say to yourself, hey, I'm all healthy now. I'm a good person. I'm wonderful. I'm strong. I'm healthy. I'm smart. And so you want all of this. But as you say it, it would be the equivalent of looking at the dog now 20 years later and say, I love you. Will, will the dog just suddenly receive the love? Will it be able – the dog's confused. He's going, wait a second, you've been kicking me for 20 years. So it's the uh-huh. same relationship between the mind and the body, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And, yeah. And so the key to creating change is we have to go to the body. And so that's oftentimes where if I tell myself positive things, it, it oftentimes doesn't stick because my body's going, wait a second, I can't really trust what you're saying. Because you've been, you know, you've been conditioned, you've, you've conditioned me to think differently. And so that's why it's so important to have the ability to enter the body and it would be like soothing the dog. You know, like you have to start soothing the nervous system. You have to start, you know, regulating it in some way. You know, even like just a simple walk, you know, around the block or something like that where you get in your body or the breath or, you know, there's so many ways to do it, but most of us don't take the time to develop a relationship with our body, and that's one of the reasons we don't change. So once you start to develop this relationship with your body, either you're doing you know, breath work or mindfulness meditation or exercising or walking in nature, then what? How do you use that to, to stop the, the monkey mind? So one of the things that I talk about in the book, and there's a whole section called Tools of Awareness, and one of the skill set that we develop with self-regulation, so one skill is about entering the body and really developing a relationship, and I recommend breath as the best way to do that. Then the second step is to introduce a new way. The new mindset is based in the dialogue, not in the monologue. So the monkey mind thinks, in a monologue way, meaning I just keep hooking on to the thoughts and I never question it. When we start to introduce inquiry, we can begin to check the validity of this thought. You know, so it's like, what is the thought that's coming in when my partner says, you know, why didn't you take the dog to the vet? And I'm upset. So if I breathe in my body, I realize I'm upset. Now I can start introducing some question and say, okay, so where is this, you know, feeling of being upset come from? Does it come from what was said to me? Can the stimulus cause the response? Or is that coming more from a program way of thinking? What does this remind me of? And in that moment, as I bring more clarity, I can start to see my conditioning. And the more I can see it, now I have power. Because now I'm not at the mercy of it. I can see it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it does it just so automatically it, change? It's really amazing how often, I think this is one of the hardest things for all of us to grasp, is that, you know, the, the cliche saying, the truth will set you free, and it's really uh-huh. what awareness does, right? So when I begin to really experience in my body that, the thought process that I keep having does not deliver the end result. It's the same as the feeling of like, as if I was holding a really hot potato in my hand and I'm naturally just going to let it go. And that is what happens. And when we do this process at the center, one of the things that we see often is there will be a moment 
where as they learn the skills of the, you know, the breath, being in the body, the skills of inquiry, there'll be many moments where I call them the aha moments, where in, in suddenly in a flash, they'll, they'll have a thought like, this is silly. This is, this is ridiculous. And in that moment, we're not, we haven't learned yet how to really, really fully grasp the depth of that moment, and that is creating the change. In that moment, there's new, new neural pathways in the brain that were formed about the conditioning. And so now it's just mm-hmm. a matter of repetition. And if we repeat it, like it, let's say 100 times, you repeat it 100 times that you're able to, uh, in the face of your partner or someone, that, a loved one saying something that you find yourself upset with, and you're able to remind yourself to go to your breath, feel the discomfort, and then ask yourself, what does that remind me of? Where does this come from? In that moment, I verified the validity of that thought. Is that I'm believing I'm not enough right now? Is that true? And then, of course, not. And so in those mm-hmm. moments, very, very profound. And for most people, they sort of don't know that yet because they're so used to a very, very rigid, rigid way of change, which is shame-based, right? If I just, you know, either discharge my discomfort or implode with it and and, and start having a lot of judgment on myself, then I'm going to create the change I'm looking for. And it, it never works. So, yes, mm-hmm. it's very subtle, and it's something that can be uh, implemented over time. And it doesn't really take that long for consciousness to start being the default way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like it really is an awareness at that moment that, that our, we aren't our thoughts. Not, we don't need to believe every single thing we think. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes <laughs> is uh, from Byron Katie. I don't know if you know of her. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, she yes. does something called the work. And, and one of my favorite quotes mm-hmm. is from her. She says, I love my thoughts, but I'm never tempted to believe them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've read her books, and I know for her it was like that. All of a sudden, everything shifted when she realized that she was not her her thought. Yeah, I mean, it's it's and it's really what I talk about in the book. Again, that comes back to the title, "Addicted to the Monkey Mind," means that I'm over identified with my thoughts. But the truth is, mm-hmm. is that as soon as I learn to have an observing mind that can witness this monkey mind, I'm now free. I don't even need to change it. I'm free because I'm observing it. And now that needs to become the default way of operating is to be able to observe it over and over and over again. And it's really amazing to me how people think, I oftentimes say to people, do you think that it would be possible if I told you you will never have a negative thought ever again? You know, and most people no. say, well, of course not. <laughs> you know, and, and right. so... So if that's the case, then there is no fixing the mindset that produces negative thoughts. So you can expect it. It's kind of like the same thing as saying, well, you know, it's going to stay sunny forever. No, it's not. There's going to be rain and storm and all kinds of things. But what really creates the freedom is the ability to witness all of it and not over-identify with it as if that means something about me. You know, if it's raining outside, it doesn't mean that I'm good enough or, or not good enough. It's the same with the thought that comes through. If the thought comes through and it's very critical, why do I suddenly assume 
that if I forgot to do something that I was supposed to do, that that means there's something wrong with me. It, it, there's no logical, you know, way of, of sort of, uh, you know, get your way out of it, basically. And so that's mm-hmm. what's so difficult for most people is that we have to get through the experience in order to create the change. That's really, really, really key. And, uh, you know, Brené Brown in her research that she's done, she really, you know, I was really glad when that came out because I, I've been doing this work for so long, and I was like, finally, somebody is, like, really saying it in a very layman's term that people can understand. And she said that people who are truly happy have a really high capacity for discomfort. So meaning that hmm. if, if our nervous system is com- completely shot all the time and we're, like, running, trying to avoid all these uncomfortable experiences, we're in the monkey mind. We're like so far in the monkey mind, and we will keep just reacting from it, right? But if we develop an observing mind, we can witness the discomfort in the body and realize that it really isn't that bad. It's not. It's not the end of the world, mm-hmm. and it's and it creates this amazing sense of of the self, you know, the the real self, not the false identity of who I think I am. Right. Right. You know, and as I mentioned, you know, when I was reading the book, I was going through this, like, I was really tired, and I was feeling this pressure to complete being on by a deadline, and that was making it worse, so that made me more tired and made me not want to do anything, and and I was reading your book, and suddenly it came to me that these deadlines that I put on myself were, were just that. I put them on myself. So what if I did if I didn't meet that deadline and gave myself permission to rest because it was cold and dark outside and your body just wants to do that and it was like instant instant relief. And yeah. you know when the yeah. sun came out I felt productive again and you know I I didn't feel that pressure. And so much of it is unconscious for most of us, right? Mm -hmm. It's like there is is a programming that runs underneath this. Somehow says you're not quite enough if you don't finish the project or if you're not doing it on time or, you know, it's, it's very subtle, but most people don't have an awareness of those core beliefs that are underneath, you know, like an example of that, 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 that I think might illustrate that really well is, if you loan money to somebody, let's say, and that person doesn't pay you back, most people would either get angry at the person or start imploding and, and, and give up or, you know. And so, but what, what the discomfort that happens in the moment of the stimulus, which is just somebody not paying you back, is, is really rooted in a conditioned way to think that if the person is not paying me back, it means there's something wrong with me. Maybe I was the one who was stupid for loaning the money in the first place. Or So mm-hmm. when everything, through the monkey mind, basically, everything defines my character. The monkey mind is busy defining my character by what happens or what other people do or what they say about me. Or, and it's exhausting, right? I mean, it's just so exhausting. You can't find your way out of it because it's constant. You, you know, I mean, people will be judging and, they will continue to do what they do in circumstances. And, and so 
when you develop this observing mind, which is what you did, is you created space between the pressure and, and the experience of it, and now you allow that space to take place, and then you verified whether this was defining you somehow. Even if it wasn't like fully you know, defined, that's really what happened. And then you find mm-hmm. yourself being free. It's it's an amazing right. process. It's it's so wonderful, yeah. right? It is so wonderful. And, and one of the things I often say about the book that I love is, you know how you follow Kevin and Elizabeth through the book, and, and uh-huh. for me it was just like, and those characters basically everything that happened to them are real life events that has happened in people that we've worked with over the years. It's just that we've put it in these two characters, you know. But I also. Right laugh because I just go, I want to meet those people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got, I felt like I got to know them. Yeah. Yeah, It becomes very personal, doesn't it? It it definitely. And you're like happy when they start to feel good. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. One of my favorite things is, you know, at the end when Elizabeth goes back to her father and it's just like mm-hmm. that chapter for me was like, oh, wow, it's like the ultimate, you know, graduation of life, you know, being able to be in the presence of your programming and truly not being, not, not buying into it, you know, but just staying in love and in presence. And it's just so amazing to me. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. And her reaction changed him. Yeah, Her reaction exactly. to him changed him. Because it was different than what he expected. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so what what are you doing at your center? I know that you're 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 training. You said that you wanted to train other therapists and in, in this um, type of therapy that you do, and and you have this addiction center. So maybe talk just a couple in the couple of minutes we have left about that. Yeah, wonderful. So the center is the exclusive Hawaii, those three words spelled out, dot com. We're um, a small eight-bed residential treatment center on the Big Island of Hawaii. We have an amazing staff where we basically teach. It's a skill-based program, very different than most rehab programs who are disease model-oriented and 12-step and a little bit, you know, rigid. Um, We're very, very about developing these skills that will change your life that you retain for the rest of your life. So we don't spend a whole lot of focus on the addiction itself because we really go to the root cause, which is the mindset, right? And so the team is really incredible. We do, uh, we teach those skills of inquiry, the the skills of breath. We teach uh, through experiential engagement therapy. So we help people navigate their fight or flight response to the skills that we teach them. So it's very nurturing. We have a medical director, a team of nurses, amazing nutrition, uh, fitness, a lot of different things that we do, and we really help people regain their lives on all levels. And then the other part that kind of came out in the last five years is a lot of therapists started to hear from clients about the work that we were doing, and they were asking me if I would do continuing education for therapists in experiential engagement therapy. So I created a whole curriculum, which is a certification for therapists in EET. Um, and so it's, it's a wonderful thing now. This is kind of like where I see myself growing now is I'm traveling around the country and starting to train therapists in this modality. And it's, it's very exciting. Therapists are lighting up. 
once they learn there's two parts to it. You have to be trauma-informed in order to do experiential work, uh, but it's, 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 it's something that can be learned very, uh, you know, in a, in a, probably in a very short amount of time in terms of because therapists are already extremely skilled, you know. And so um, once I introduce those concepts, it's a matter of, you know, put it in practice and application. Uh, so, it's, yeah, it's, it's very exciting to me because what we're seeing is that when we do experiential work, it sticks and people are able to create the change that they, you know, have so desperately wanted for themselves. Uh-huh. And, and what is the title of the certification? So it's called Experiential Engagement Therapy. So that's the certification. I have five levels, level one through five. And so they learn all the skills of experiential engagement therapy, and then they can get certified in, that, in this method. So, um, so maybe if you can let people know how they can find out if there are any therapists listening who are interested in that. They can find out about that, and also if anybody is listening who want who might need some help from you um, in Hawaii or interested in purchasing your book, um, maybe all of that contact information. Wonderful. So the book is called Addicted to the Monkey Mind, Change the Programming that Sabotages Your Life. It's available on Amazon. Uh, we also offer it on the exclusivehawaii.com, those three words spelled out, the exclusivehawaii.com. And uh, it's available at 50% off on our website. So if you get it there, you can also visit uh, the center while you're there. You can see uh, the environment. You can learn about core belief restructuring and experiential engagement therapy. And for therapists I, and, and people who want to do private uh, workshop and seminar, uh, learning about the addicted mind, uh, addicted to the monkey mind. It's uh, jfbenoit.com. So J is in John, F is in Frank, and then Benoit is spelled B-E-N-O-I-S-T.com. And uh, I, I also do an online webinar, and so people can sign oh. up for uh, those different courses right on the website. Okay, great. So people can do that from anywhere. Great. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So um, thank you so much for, for coming on to the program and, and for sending me your book. Um, you know, I really thank enjoyed thank it. You. Thank you for, for having me. And, um, and thank you for the difference that you're making in people's lives by doing your show and the work that you do. It's so needed, you know. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, let's stay in touch because I'm really interested in what you're doing. I think this is really great. And, um, you know, and maybe maybe you can come back on at some point in the future, in the near future, because we didn't even touch on PTSD. And I know that we talked about that ahead of time, and you talked about how it can work for PTSD. Absolutely. I would love to. Okay, okay great. All right. Well, you take care. Have a wonderful afternoon. It's afternoon over there, right? You're like four hours it behind sure us. Is. Okay. Yes. Well, enjoy, yes. enjoy the beautiful, balmy Hawaii. <laughs> Think about Thank it. Thank you here so much. And as, <laughs> and as we say here, um, the warmest aloha. 
thank you. Aloha. All right. And we'll and we'll be in touch. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. All right. So we're going to take a brief break. Uh, we have lots more to come. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on Blog Talk Radio and on drmarakarpell.com. And before I go on to talk about creating meaning in life, um, just want to fill you in on some news. And I, I really do um, highly recommend um, JF's book. I can't say enough good things about it. It really is a powerful book, and it's not its not dry. It's not a textbook. It, it really its very engaging, and I just looked forward to reading it every time I picked it up to read it. So um, I think there's a lot in it that anybody can get from it. So, um, and, and the topic that I'm going to discuss about finding meaning, meaning is, in, it, I think, in some way related, and I'll explain how. But first, let me just fill you in on some news. Um, let's see. Uh, this Saturday, we have a book festival coming up. It's the Take 190 Book Festival in Killeen near Fort Hood here in Texas. And it's from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And I will be there. I will have books to sign. And it is free and open to the public. And uh, I just heard that there will be 40-plus authors there with their books. And um, there, I think there will be artwork as well. I think it will be – it's a festival. So it's not just books, but I think there's artwork and – I think it um, it's for children and adults. So I hope if you're in the area, if you're in Colleen or you're in Austin, um, come by because I would love to talk to you. I'd love to see some of you there and meet you, and um, I think it'll be fun. Uh, also, last Monday I did a book signing at Tuscan Village, which is in Lakeway, Texas, and there were about – 38 people there and it was a really good time um they wanted me to mostly speak rather than just sit and sign books and so i spoke for five minutes and and it was a lot of fun and it was a great 
group of people, very warm and welcoming. And I want to thank Wendy, who set it up for me, and Linda, who hosted it. So if they're listening or if anybody is listening who was there, thank you for being there. And um, I'm still working on my online course that's coming up in mid-April, and it is uh, Living the Passionate Life. So it goes deeper into the topics that I discussed in my book, The Passionate Life, and um, with some experiential um, videos and worksheets and things that are a little bit more in depth, I think I could go into in, in a course like this. And it is available for a half price um, during this time during pre launch until the end of March. And as I've mentioned before, if you buy it in pre launch, then you can also send me questions if you've read the book and would like me to go deeper into those areas in the course. So I'm still creating it, and there's still time where you can get your questions in, and I can cover those topics. And my blog, I haven't written a new one since the last time I was on the air, but if you haven't read the last one, it was in Thrive Global, it was in Medium.com, and it was in Sabana East, and you can find it on my website. And I am working on the next one. So... If you're following me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years, you'll know when it posts, and it'll be on my website after that. And let's see, I think that's it for the news. I just want to mention that I am already booked into June with guests coming on the program, and I just have to tell you, it's such a great uh, it's such a great thing. All the guests have been awesome, and we have some new guests coming up that haven't been on the show before and some of the guests that have that have been on that are coming back and some really great topics and ones that we haven't yet covered so um so just keep listening all right so that's the news and i i want to talk about creating meaning and how important it is and the reason why i say that it's connected with what J.F. was just talking about um, is that I think that often the biggest obstacle for people to do what they really feel passionate about or to even spend time figuring out what their passion is or what would create meaning in their life or even focus on that is because is that monkey mind questioning um, am I good enough who really cares about what I have to say or who I'm really not very good at singing so why should I pursue that or um, you know or if I go and help people you know and uh, do something meaningful for people then people are going to look at me and judge me for not making as much money um, because a lot of the human service kind of jobs, careers, or even volunteer work, obviously, don't bring in as much money. So, or that's the assumption. So I think that monkey mind, that, that feeling of fear about what other people will think about us, about being shamed, as JF was saying, I think that plays such a critical role in interfering with our ability to move forward in our life and to do what really feels meaningful for us. 
and um, and then there is the the inner troll, which is also part of the same programming where we start to question um, our abilities and we we have what's called imposter syndrome where we feel like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just acting like I know what I'm doing, but people are going to soon know that I have no idea what I'm doing and I don't belong here. Um, and that those, those thoughts, um, if we hook onto them rather than being aware and realizing that they are not necessarily true just because we're thinking it, um, but we actually hook onto it and believe those thoughts, those thoughts can be our biggest obstacles in terms of moving forward, having a passionate and meaningful life. So, so I think it's really important first to tackle that issue of what is interfering with our, our willingness to move forward or uh, if we are on the path what is getting in the way? What are our, our thoughts that are interfering with our own ability to enjoy this journey that we're on? And so I do recommend, you know, uh, first tackling that. Okay. But now let's talk about the whole, this whole idea of meaning and living a meaningful life. Um, you know, I have worked um, in the field of psychology for almost 27 years as a psychologist and another uh, eight years really in graduate school because uh, we were, I was working in um, various placements, actually doing the work of a therapist all throughout graduate school. So it's been a lot of years, and my specialty, as I've mentioned, has been in geriatrics, working with older adults and with caregivers, but also with adults of all ages, and that was in my private practice that I had for many years and still have a few people left in that, and, um, and also in graduate school. And now my main um, job, which is evaluating veterans. One of the main themes that has gone through all of these populations, all adults from 21 to 101, is that desire to feel that we have a purpose in life and that there are, our life is meaningful. And um, when when people don't feel that they are living a purposeful life, when they feel like there is no meaning in their life, that's when they come through the door of my office. And those people who find meaning in their life are the ones who are the most resilient to the stresses of life because life will be filled with stress no matter how happy and joyful you are. There are things that are going to happen in life because that's just how it is. But when you feel um, that you have purpose in your life, that you have meaning in your life, um, to all of those things. And, and that goes even for someone, as I said, who's 101 years old, that a that 101-year-old can still have purpose and meaning in their life. Um, I've met with people who were severely disabled and felt, well, you know, what's the point? I'm helpless and, and I have, there, there's no more meaning in my life because I can't do the things that I used to be able to do. 
But that isn't true. And though I've met people who are severely disabled who still found meaning and purpose, and they were able to feel joyful and and in and really enjoy the journey, even though they had major obstacles. Um, Victor Frankel, very well-known um, psychiatrist who wrote the book *Man's Search for Meaning*. He was a psychiatrist who was a Holocaust survivor, and he was in—I um, think he was in two or three different concentration camps during the Holocaust. And when he was a Holocaust prisoner, a concentration camp prisoner, he was already a psychiatrist. So he sort of came in with this perspective of of observing um, those people who did well and those people who didn't under these extremely difficult circumstances. And I think that's really what gave his life meaning um, was being able to to find out from what he observed in himself and in other people um, what what brought resilience and um, and so he survived he was liberated when the war was over and after he came out he created a type of therapy called logotherapy which was focused on finding meaning in life and that was what his practice became in his psychiatry practice. And so one of the things that he found um, that brought tremendous meaning was generosity, kindness. And um, and I've spoken about that topic very often on this show and all of the benefits of generosity and kindness. But I think one of the most essential benefits of it is that it gives your life meaning. It's an instant portal into a feeling feeling that your life has meaning. So what he noticed was that the prisoners who even who gave their last um, scrap of food to somebody very little, they all got very, very little food altogether. Um, and those people who gave some of their food away to other prisoners who they felt needed it more than they did, those people were the most resilient. They were able to keep it together, and, and if they were lucky enough to survive and, and get out of the concentration camps during liberation, they were the ones who had better lives after getting out. Um, because their life had meaning, that they had been able to be helpful to another person in this dire situation. And what he wrote in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, um, we must never forget that we may also find meaning in life, even when confronted with a hopeless situation, when facing a fate that cannot be changed, when we are no longer able to change our situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And he went on to write, we who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts, comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing to choose choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. So 
no matter our outer circumstance, we have the choice of how we're going to deal with it. And so I did a little research on this. You know, I wrote about it in my book, and I talked about how when um, Rabbi Naomi Levy was on the program talking about her book, Einstein and the Rabbi, that she talked about um, that, that we often have soul questions, that we get woken up with our, by, in the middle of the night sometimes with our soul whispering to us, um, telling us that we need to follow a path of meaning. Maybe we don't always know what it is, and sometimes we do know what it is, and, but we're afraid to do it. And, you know, what, what she said was that, you know, following a path of meaning, following your passion, isn't always joyful. It is in being open to even having that, um, that thought and being able to listen to it um, is sometimes difficult. Sometimes, like I said, we get woken up in the middle of the night by it. Um, and as JF was saying, not running from pain is really important, but really being with it and looking at it. And in this case, listening to what it has to say to you. Um, what What is this soul's longing right now? Um, and there are, there are many ways to find meaning in life. Um, but I want to, I did a little research online, so before I get to some of the tips that I have, I want to um, tell you about an article that I found in Psychology Today that was written last year by Dr. David Feldman. And he, the name of it is The Paradoxical Secret to Finding Meaning in Life. Searching for meaning might backfire. So um, what he pointed out, which I didn't remember in the book, was that Dr. Frankel provided the following admonition. One should not search for an abstract meaning of life. And he wrote, don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it the target, the more you're going to miss it. For success, like happiness, cannot be pursued. It must ensue. So what he got from this is that meaning is a side effect of pursuing other goals. And what Frankel had suggested was embracing activities that connect you with something greater. So something greater than yourself. And like I said, um, helping other people is probably one of the most powerful ways of, of connecting to something greater. And, and um, it can also... Um, consists of pursuing greater knowledge. So, you know, for example, what Dr. Feldman pointed out would be, you know, like getting more education, um, dedicating yourself to the expression of love through raising a family. Um, so there is research that shows that having meaning present in life is associated with greater happiness, greater joy. And, but searching for meaning, always feeling like, well, this isn't meaningful enough, I have to do something more, is associated with less happiness. So Feldman writes, 
the paradoxical secret to finding meaning may be not to look for it. The most satisfying forms of meaning may blossom not when you pursue them directly, but when we instead seek beauty, love, justice, or as Frankl writes, a cause greater than oneself. A secret to a meaningful life may to be remind ourselves be to remind ourselves every day to do the right thing, love fully, pursue fascinating experiences, and undertake important tasks. Um, so, I guess the you know the point that I want to make with that is that following your passion finding out what makes your heart sing or following a greater cause, helping other people, volunteering, or being generous, engaging in active, um, in random acts of kindness. Um, These are all things that create meaning in your life not sitting and meditating on what is the meaning of life, that will just lead to frustration. And it's a question that has been asked for many millennial and, you know, has not been answered. We find meaning by doing what um, engages us fully and what we, what we know is the right thing. So when we're following our passion, if if it's just to make money, if it's because if I do this, I'm going to become really, really rich, then we're not likely to find that sense of meaning and purpose. And and I would venture to say that you're not really following your passion when you do that. The passion, following your passion is doing something that you really love to do, that when you talk about it, when you think about it, you light up. And it doesn't mean that it's easy to do. And it, and it doesn't mean that it always goes smoothly because it won't. But you have such a drive to do it that you just keep going. And if it's about the money, then when you hit a brick wall, you're going to give up. Or if it's taking longer, you're going to say, well, there's a quicker way to make money than this. But when you're doing it because you really feel like your heart just is so open when you do it, when your heart sings, as they say, or you just feel like, I just have to do it. I don't know why, but I just feel like this is the right thing. When you see the benefits towards other people and towards society, that's when you feel meaning in your life. Um, Patanjali, who is a, um, the, he, he was a, one of the um, well-known yoga teachers um, at the start of um, yoga, the beginning of yoga. Um, he's who um, yoga teachers study. He has a quote, and I'm trying to find that for you. I don't know where I put that. Um, hmm. Oh, here it is. Okay. He, he has a quote that, so he was the father of yoga, basically, Patanjali. And he said, when you are inspired, 
by some great purpose, some extraordinary project. All your thoughts break their bonds. Your mind transcends limitations. Your consciousness expands in every direction. And you find yourself in a new, great, and wonderful world. Dormant force come alive. And you discover yourself to be a greater person by far than you ever dreamed yourself to be. So I'm going to read that again because it's, it's so powerful. When you are inspired by some great purpose, some extraordinary project, all your thoughts break their bonds. Your mind transcends limitations. Your consciousness expands in every direction, and you find yourself in a new, great, and wonderful world. Dormant forces, faculties, and talents become alive, and you discover yourself to be a great person by a greater person by far than you ever dreamed yourself to be. I would, you know, recommend, and um, you know, as I have said that. You know what um, what passionate steps, what meaning meaningful activities you can engage in or you have a desire to engage in or you're in the situation to engage in um, are going to be very different if you're thirty five than if you're a hundred and five, but someone even at a hundred and five can engage in something meaningful. So whatever it is at whatever age that you can do, and I've, I've posed this question before, and it's something that I borrowed from a speaker that I heard. Um, ask yourself this question every day, every morning. What can I do to bring more light into the world? What can I do to bring more light into the world today. And that will guide you that day to bring more meaning into your life. It can happen today. It you don't have to wait. This is not a lifelong quest. You can actually start creating meaning and joy and passion in your life today. Even if it's just saying something kind to another person, listening to their story, or just smiling. So on that note, we're going to play the music of our next guest, Jose Sanchez, who I, to be a very passionate person and very joyful, his music is joyful. So um, he'll be joining us on the phone in just a few minutes from South Padre Island to talk about his music and here, here he is. Here's some of his music. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. 
Worried about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years. Specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia, Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. And we are back. If you're just, just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell in your golden years right here on Blog Talk Radio and on DrMaraCarpell.com. And we were just listening to the music of our next guest who is joining us on the phone from South Padre Island, Jose Sanchez. Welcome, Jose. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for giving up a little bit of your time on a Sunday evening. Um, The timing is perfect. We just finished a wonderful macaroni and cheese dinner. Oh, very nice. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jose, um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your musical history? Um, Okay. Um, Basically, I started writing songs seriously uh, when I was about 30. So that's a little more than 30 years ago. And um, when I got to be in 1990, I went to San Antonio and we started a band called Aichingatos. 
and I became the songwriter for Aichingatus. And since then, I guess we've put out about five CDs, maybe 60, 75 songs that we've recorded, most of them that I wrote. Okay. And now you're on South Padre Island. Yes, but I still go to San Antonio to uh, Blue Cat Studios where I record uh, for Tarantula Records there. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, we're doing uh, more records uh, all the time. We just put out one called Mighty Juan. Uh, That's about a Mexican. Okay. Okay. So how many CDs do you have out so far? Uh, I think we put out about five of them. Wow. Not all of them are are um, in stock anymore, like in an actual CD form, but most of them are out there. They're all out there somewhere on the Internet, Reverb Nation, iTunes, Spotify, that kind of thing. We're out there. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Great. And are you playing a lot on South Padre Island? I play uh, from time to time on South Padre Island in a variety of ways. Uh, the band was in, in San Antonio for like 30 years. Uh, but when I moved here, I essentially had to recreate the band. And so now the band isn't really the three or four guys we were in San Antonio. Now it's more like a 12 or 15 people that are scattered all over the place that we can put together. So when we do shows here, like we did yesterday, we travel to Alton to uh, support the uh, Cariso Comecruda tribe in their, in their, they came to help us against the, uh, the border wall. So we went to help them. And next week mm-hmm. we'll be doing a house concert here in South Padre Island. It's kind of a private concert, and it's going to be a lot of fun because it's kind of a community concert with a lot of other local bands um, that are that are going to be there as well. Uh huh. Okay. Cool. Now I also so play, you, you know, uh, as a solo performer, and even with a. Um, with a ukulele band here on the island that's called Loretta and the Arabians. Okay. So we're always making music, uh, making videos, recording, and uh, running around. And uh, what I like to think of it is uh, making wato. Okay. <laughs> that's so my you're mission busy. in life. <laughs> my mission in life is to make wato, so I got to do it wherever I can. Right. <laughs> So you're pretty busy. It sounds like moving to South Padre, you, you're still playing lots of music. At first it was, uh, you know, like I said, we kept. I go to San Antonio about once a month or two, uh, one, once or twice a month like that, to record and sometimes to perform as well in various shows. So <clears throat> I have uh, uh, lots of friends and a lot of community up there as well. Uh, but down here, it's been very, it's, it's sort of like coming to San Antonio all over again the last few years and beginning again and uh, becoming part of the community here, the musician's community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I kind of think of Aichingatos now as a, essentially a South Texas band. Okay. Okay. Great. So we just played one of your songs. Maybe you can talk about it. Um, no Traffic. Yes. I wrote that song, I think, in the mid-'90s, way back there. And then, um, and it was just kind of like, uh, you know, I, uh, I had a hectic job. I was married. I had a young child. And I just was thinking about a place to go that would be quiet. But then I forgot about the song. And it laid in some uh, folder somewhere for about 10 years. And then my young child 
and I were at uh, Kerrville at the Kerrville Folk Festival, and she said, whatever happened to that song, No Traffic? You know, so <laughs> uh, I found it and <laughs> remembered it, and uh, eventually when it came time to record it, uh, she's there singing with me. Her name is oh, Alicia, nice. but she goes by the name, uh, she goes by the name uh, Alice in Space. Uh, so, and so she uh, is the other voice there. And when we sing it, uh, we sing it uh, like that in, together. Very nice. Okay. Um, when she so was in high school, I... she, was our, she was our bass player when she was in high school. Oh, cool. So does she have her own band now? Well, she goes by the name Allison Space, and she just recently uh, did a performance uh, with us down here in South Padre Island at Cafe Karma, where both of my bands played, uh, I Chingatos and Loretta, Loretta and the Arabians, and Alicia, uh, Allison Space, was sandwiched in between them. She did uh, five or six songs of her own. Very nice. She, uh, Very she nice. also records with us from time to time and will perform with us from time to time, when all the, the stars are aligned. So now we're going to play another one of your songs um, that you sent oh, us. Oh, good. Which one? Nothing, nothing to Lose But the Blues. So maybe you can talk right. about it before we play it. Can you tell okay. us about it before we um, play it? Um, about uh, eight years ago, uh, um, my, uh, my wife, my late wife, uh, passed away my children's mother. Mm. Um, she passed away of breast cancer. Um, about a year later, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine on the phone who also was going through a hard time. And we were just talking about uh, going through a hard time. And uh, I think I wrote the first verse that right after that conversation and the second verse then the next day. And it's, it's basically... Uh, about uh, putting yourself together, you know, when things have gone really badly and, um, and knowing that you got to get up and, uh, and keep going. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. in my mind, I guess I imagine that that's what she would be telling me now. So I tell it to myself, you know, and I tell it to other people as well. You got to get up. You got to keep going. Right. That's a good, great message. Okay, so hang on the line because we'll come back and talk for a couple of minutes more after we play the song, okay? Sure, thank you very much. All right. Okay, so we're going to play Nothing to Lose But the Blues.
Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. Um, so, so Jose, if people are interested in, in purchasing your CDs, finding out more about you, or where you're playing, um, is there a website or a place where they can go? The, um, the easiest place to go is uh, iTunes right now. Uh, we just put up, like I said, uh, Mighty One, the song Mighty One, and um, and another song called Driving Through the Checkpoint with My Dog. And <laughs> okay. in the next uh, in the next few weeks and months, I will be putting out uh, a number of other songs that we have yet to release. The one you just played is one of them, uh, and in fact. Um, we we've we've uh, re-recorded that just a little slightly from what you just played, and that'll be coming out as well on iTunes in the next couple of weeks, as well as some other songs. You know, so that'd be the best place to go. Uh, also, we're in, in there's a place called Reverb Nation, and I think just about all of our stuff is there. So I would look under Thanks. i i chain gatos. Yes. No. That's um, let's be clear what we're talking about here. That's i. Chain right. gatos. It isn't right. funny if you say e. It has to be i. Okay. <laughs> okay. And um, the uh, if you want to know what we're doing, uh, like us on Facebook because we're always putting out uh, things there. You know about where we're going to be next. Okay. Okay, good. So I'm going. I'm going to post links to all of that on my website after after the show. So oh, wonderful! People could just go there. Yeah. So it's all it's all under the name of your band, right? Great. The Facebook mm-hmm. and the iTunes and the road. Okay. All right. Yes. Um, I Chingatos. In, okay. I'm the I in I Chingatos. Okay, I got it. <laughs> Okay. So, um, so Jose, before we go off the air, we're gonna after I tell everybody what's coming up next week, we're gonna play the last song that you sent to us. Um, so before you and I stop talking, maybe you can tell us about that song. It's Stars in Her Eyes. That song um started in the original version of the band in the early 90s in San Antonio there were four of us and um one of one of us was a keyboard uh, player a woman a young woman and she started messing around on the keyboards and doing that little bouncy uh tune you hear and the drummer Joe Belk started coming in on it right and so we had a little bouncy thing going i added the uh, twang 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 thing and i wrote the lyrics uh-huh. uh are written there and the bass player at the time uh, wrote the the middle part, the bridge. And so that really is uh, the only song that uh, all four of us from the original band 
uh, took credit for as uh, as co-writers. You know, so that was uh, myself and Joe Belk, uh, Michelle Enes Vasquez, and John Viasana. So we wrote the song together, and it, it was in the early days, in the early uh, days when we played at Taco Land, uh, that was a really uh, fun song. Mostly we have not heard it since then. We haven't played it, and we're eager to release it officially within the next couple of uh, weeks. I think oh, this is a, like a sneak preview. No one has heard it. No one. You know, oh, so cool. like you're giving a you're giving your audience a sneak peek into some a very new music that'll be coming out within the next uh, a couple of weeks or so. Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah All good. right. That'd so be a it... good thing to add to everybody's playlist. Stars and Okay, Rise. great. All right. So we're going to play that, as I said, on the way out after I tell everybody what's coming up next week. So I just want to thank you again for for being on the program this evening and, and letting us play some of your music. I appreciate it very much, Dr. Mara. You know, it's been wonderful talking with you. Same here. And you have a good evening. Thank you. It's time for ice cream. All right. Have fun. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Okay. So we're going to play that last song in just a moment, and I just want to fill you in on what's happening next week. Um, next Sunday, March the 10th, we'll be back with another live show. And joining us from Toronto will be director, movie director Sean Danby and filmmaker Rob Portley. And they'll be discussing their labor of love, griefstories.org, which is a video platform that they created with real stories and information about grief, filmed by professional filmmakers and vetted by healthcare experts. And it's, it's meant to be accessible anywhere, anytime, and as a community resource for people who are dealing with issues of loss. And we'll have more. We always have more um, to be announced. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this program, um, get the website links that my guests spoke about or learn about um, previous programs, listen to previous programs, read my blogs, all of that, go to my website, drmaracarpel.com. And also be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpel, Your Golden Years, for information about upcoming shows and upcoming events. And you can listen to this evening's program in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com slash your golden years. This evening's program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions by neurologist and memory specialist Dr. Ronald DeVere and by Storyhouse. And special thanks to my guests, J.S. Benoit, Jose Sanchez, and of course, thank you to Art. And thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone.
you know the drive home is so dark, but her love is sparkles like stars in her eyes. I'm only human, you know. I'm not a big man, but I love a woman with stars in her eyes. Guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. 